Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. So welcome to another T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson. And me, Spencer Locker. Absolutely. Right, absolutely. (laughs) So we're jumping back on today. Um, We're going to talk about uh, something which is related to hiring great talent. Mm -hmm. As the Hub members will know, we have a lot of uh, pathways and and content on hiring great talent. Uh, But for this particular Hubcast, Spence, we wanted to focus on the interview process, but more specifically, the types of questions you can ask in an interview. Yeah. And... We're going to break this down into the three types of questions, the three different kinds of questions you can ask in an interview. Yeah. Of course, you can ask many questions within all these three areas. Yeah. But there are three different types or kinds of interview that we can ask. Yeah. And <clears throat> in our training, we we, we, we teach this to our uh, to the delegates in our Certainly training do. courses. Yeah. Yeah. But we thought it would make a really good snappy short hubcast. Um And hopefully the listeners will be able to go away and think about the types of questions they're asking in the process at the minute. Yeah, and and I think that it's it's quite relevant because in uh, our recent experience, uh, we're talking to, uh, I think it was a group of HR execs um, where they were were just sort of throwing the boat about a bit and, and, and tossing things in randomly. And we heard about some questions that were asked that were, Shall we say inappropriate? Uh, just a little. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess what Spencer's talking about there, just for people listening, is we had an example from a senior HR exec where they said their managers have never received any training on interviewing. So it's no. sort of like they're left to their own devices, and that means every manager will do their own thing. Usually mm. it ends up as a generalist conversation, and you've just sort of seen where it goes. But one of the questions that were raised was uh, a male um, hiring manager had asked a younger female candidate in the interview, they asked them the question, which was this, um, so then, do you have any plans to have children? Yeah. Yeah, right? I, I know, right? Yeah. But that is what happens. It, yeah. It's an unconscious thing. But really, that is an inappropriate question to ask a young female candidate. I mean, Very does it really so, yeah. matter in the modern day world? But yeah. what essentially that manager was probably trying to find out is, am I going to lose you to maternity leave in the next few years? Because yes. that's in yeah. my, I have to consider that. Mm. So it, we've just got to educate our managers on a few do's and don'ts, and if they prepare accordingly, they can start mm. to predefine some of the questions they're going to ask in the interview, which are situationally relevant, and they're mm. going to test for a great candidate. Yeah, and and I think it's it's also <clears throat> it's also uh, relevant to state that uh, when we start talking about the structure of an interview, uh, we've put a lot of thought and effort and, and work into into structuring an interview. And as much as we've come up with these three types of questions, it's still quite loose. It's not too restrictive. Um, more guidelines. Uh, you can populate these types mm. of questions however you see fit. It's got to be relevant to the role that you're interviewing with, relevant to the company, um, but it's not too restrictive. Yes. So it's not a sort of, uh, yeah, it's not mm. a, a script you've got to follow. Yeah. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to give you the three types of questions you can ask. We're going to share with you some examples of these of the questions you can ask within the three types. Yeah. But like Spencer says, feel free to go away and create some of your own questions within these categories and just make sure that you're asking a blend of the three. Hmm. I think that's what the point we're going to yeah, make today. Yeah. So let's kick off. 
So the first type of question that managers can ask in an interview is what we call a conceptual based question. Now, a conceptual based question is when we're asking the candidate or we're giving the candidate, should I say, a scenario, situation or event. And we're asking them, how would you deal with that? Yeah. So we're leaving it entirely up to creativity. Yeah. We're giving you a concept and we're going to ask you, you can, you're free to go anywhere you like with it, but we're going to ask you how you would deal with that. Yeah. And this is called a conceptual based question because you're giving them a concept Mm -hmm. and they can answer how they please. Mm -hmm. They can make it up. They can, they can be creative. Yeah. Uh, etc. And what you're saying is, look, you know, this is the scenario. You're presented with it. How would you deal with that? Yeah. And a lot of interviewers will naturally ask conceptual based questions yes. about the role or about the future or about certain things they mm. might encounter. Certainly. Go on. Depen- no, I was just gonna. I was just gonna say the um, again with the uh, when when you start talking about any of these questions. Uh, the quite open questions. Uh, yes, you might create a concept and you might be checking for this uh, particular individual to to sort of say, this is what I would do. But when you get that answer, then it opens up a whole raft of other opportunities. Why did you answer that way? Why would, Why is that? Why? So you can sort of get more beneath the skin, if you yeah. like, um, a bit deeper into that, that person's thought process. Yeah. So conceptual-based questions. Let me give you a couple of examples of this. You've got a candidate in, and this is a type of conceptual-based question you can ask. It's your first few weeks in the role. A customer rings up and immediately becomes aggressive with you. You don't have enough knowledge yet to field the complaint. Um, How would you respond? Mm. How would you respond? It's a conceptual-based question. I'm giving you uh, a scenario that you're likely to encounter in the role, and Mm. I want to test up front how at this moment you think you would deal with that. Yeah. That's a conceptual-based question. Another example might be if you're you're hiring a a manager or a team leader in from external who have to inherit a team. Mm. You you take on the new team as a manager. In the early days of your tenure, a senior and long-standing member of the team challenges you about your level of experience in front of the group. How would you respond? Oh, Yeah. We've seen it happen time and time again, right? Yeah, yeah. That's one of the challenges of a new manager or an mm. external manager coming in. But that's a conceptual-based question that you could hit that potential candidate yeah. with, right? Final mm. one from me on this. You're two weeks into your new role. Mm. It turns out that it's not entirely what you had expected. You start to have doubts about your ability to succeed. What would you do or what do you do? And this is the – I always talk about it, though, Spence. When mm. you take on a new role – you uh, you go through the process. It's like the slope of enlightenment, yeah. right? You're excited. <laughs> the emotion's high. The idea is hot. Yeah. You take the role. You're a week or so in, right? You you reach the peak of expectations mm. at the top of the, the cycle. Yeah. And then third or fourth week in, the reality of the job starts to set in and you're in the trough of disillusionment. Yeah. And we've all been there, right? Yeah. And this is a great conceptual-based question for any candidate in any role to ask yeah. them that, you know, you're two weeks in. It turns out, you know, you believe you've been sold down the river. It's mm. not exactly what you thought. Mm. How do you respond? Yeah, yeah. Because that I want to test how you respond in that situation. Mm. And that is another example of a conceptual-based question. Yeah, uh, and a good one, a and, good one. So to, to clarify, a conceptual-based question is where you ask the candidate or you give the candidate a scenario or event or a situation mm. and you ask how they would deal with it. Yes. It leaves them to be creative, free, 
to think on the spot, to yeah. come up with anything they want. Yeah, it's a yeah. conceptual-based question. It tests for creativity. Right, second base, uh, second type of question, behavioural-based right. question, yeah. Spence. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Well, when you start, when you start thinking about behavioural-based and comparing it to the conceptual-based, um, whereas the question, the language you use uh, with a conceptual, conceptual question is uh, more that how would you, with the behavioural one, it's more how did you. So give me an example. Have you? Is this a situation you've been in? How did you deal with it? So they're accessing a different part of the brain. Uh, so rather than being creative, they're accessing the different part of the brain where they're actually recalling um, a moment. Yes. Really important point Spencer's just made there. A behavioral-based question just switches it on its head. We're saying, okay, this is how you've just said you would deal with it. Give me an example of when you've encountered that in a previous role yeah. and tell me how you actually dealt with it. Yeah. And what sometimes a behavioral-based question is a great follow-up to a conceptual one. Certainly, so yeah. give them the conceptual-based question first, how mm. would you deal with this? Mm. And then instantly hit them with a, okay, have you ever encountered this in a previous role? Mm. And if so, tell me how you actually dealt with it. So you're actually testing now for experience. Yes, yeah. you can be creative and, and you think on your feet, but... Mm. Do you have any experience in actually dealing with this? Hmm. You made a great point uh, in a, in another talk we did recently, Spence, where you said, be prepared to ask a conceptual-based question and get a behavioural-based answer. Certainly, yeah. yeah. When we start looking at that, um, it, it, I suppose it's it's linked a little bit to the, um, the, the openness of the candidate and the rapport that you've actually developed. So it might be a case of you ask a conceptual-based question and they come back saying, well, you know what, I've actually experienced something like that in the past and then come forward with how they dealt with it. And then that can lead on to other things. It might be a case of, this is how I dealt with it, but you know what? At that time, I was a little bit of inexperienced. So if this was to happen again, I might approach in a different mm. manner. And then and, and, and it's the rapport, it's the how they feel at the time. Um, are they willing to engage? Are they willing to volunteer information? Are you able to elicit that information from you, from yeah. them? So. Yeah, so behavioural-based questions. A couple more examples from me. Just slightly different take on the language when you ask them. So if I if I look at the first three questions we did on conceptual, hmm. and I give you a slight twist to make it a behavioural one. So here's an example. Give me an example of when you have experienced an aggressive customer and talk me through how you actually dealt with it. Yeah. So we're now saying we want to test for experience. Different mm. part of the brain, as you say, the yeah. search for memories. It's not as easy for them to blag, no. to waffle. Mm. No, they've got to search for a memory and try and connect the dots. Second behavioral-based question example. Can you recall a time where you have been challenged, opposed, or undermined in front of others and share with me how you responded? Yeah. So again, you, you, you're, now, you're now saying, listen, I, I know you can be creative and you've mm. given me some great answers conceptually. Yeah but have you actually actually ever faced these situations? Mm. And thirdly, have um, have you ever fell out of your depth in a role? Mm. And if so, what did you do to overcome it? Great behavioural-based questions because yeah. we've all felt like that at times. We all hit the trough of disillusionment <laughs> yeah. early on in our, in our new roles. Yes. It happens, right? We've become overwhelmed, feel out of depth. What did you do to overcome it? Because I want to test with this behavioural-based question that three weeks into your role with us, you, you, you're going to have some challenges. Mm. I need to know you've got the resilience uh, and the experience to get through that. Certainly, yeah, yeah. And not just jump ship. Mm. So before we come to the last one, which is our favorite, <laughs> um, let me just recap. We've got 
three types of questions we can ask in an interview. We've covered two. Number one, conceptual-based questions. Give them a scenario, situation, or event, and ask them how they would deal with it. Yeah. has to be relevant to the role. has to be relevant to what they're going to come into. Yeah. Then switch it or back a conceptual with a behavioral. Give me mm. an example of when you've actually experienced this or, mm. or gone through this, and how did you deal with it? Yeah. And we're just testing a different part of the brain to say you know, do you have any real life experience mm. in dealing with these situations? And it's important to understand <clears> as, a, as an interviewer that it's not a case of you ask a certain amount of conceptual questions and then a certain amount of behavioral questions. You mix them up, don't you? Yeah. yeah. It's got to be natural. Yeah. You've got to, because if you just stick in conceptual, you might have a great interviewee, but they might not be a good candidate. We've all seen those hires before yeah. who have blitzed the interview three months in, they're not what you think. And you sort of turn into your colleagues saying, well, there was absolutely brilliant in the interview, yeah. right? It's because you probably asked them lots of conceptual questions and mm. they nailed it because a great, uh, socially excellent, uh, charismatic person can mm. easily field conceptual questions because yeah. you're giving them the creativity to go anywhere and mm. say anything. So by mixing it with behavioral, to mm. your point, it doesn't have to be an equal measure, mm. but you've got to mix some of them in to say, yeah. okay, I want to I want to test to see if you mm. if you can back up what you've just said with the yes. experience. Yeah. Okay. Third question. The third type of question you can ask in an interview. So if conceptual and behavioral are going to be around the role and the the organization, the individual, and the third questions are going to be something from left field. Yeah. And these are called anxiety questions. Now anxiety questions are designed to throw one or two of these in, in the interview process, you can't bombard them with anxiety no. questions, but you can get away with one or two well-placed anxiety questions, yes. which are going to put them under a little bit of pressure mm. and they're going to really test their metal mm. and their clock speed, their ability to think on their feet. Mm. They're all, it's all going also going to retest their resilience. Certainly, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So anxiety questions are where you ask them a very left field, very strange at times, mm. um, completely out of the blue question, to see A, how they react, mm. B, can they process why you're asking them this question, yeah. and C, can they respond with, in, in some fashion yeah. uh, under pressure. Mm. And I think that, uh, again, with, with the anxiety questions, you, they can come from left field. They can, uh, and these left field, unpredictable questions work wonders. But you can also ask them these ones that aren't too left field. Uh, the things that maybe about the previous job, mm. about um, um, sort of looking at the morals really, and looking at the 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 what they're prepared to say. Um, it puts people under pressure because people don't know what to say. Um, what will what will they say, or whatever they say, may speak volumes about them that they, they don't particularly are particularly proud of. Yeah, and the uncertainty of the question is this is running through their mind. Uh, instantly, oh, oh my God, what's the right thing to say? What's the wrong thing to say? Why are they asking me this? Are they yeah. testing me? Do I make a joke of it? Do Am I supposed to be serious? Yes. Is there a right answer? Is there a wrong answer? <laughs> so they're very, very good for creating an, an enough controlled anxiety in the mm. candidate. So it makes it tough for them, um, but without absolutely, you know, yeah. sending them into, into a complete meltdown. <laughs> and that's the key, I think. You know, it's got to be timely. It's got to be relevant and it mm. can only be one or two throughout yeah so let's give some examples of anxiety questions uh i'll kick off first one of my yeah. favorites um so i'm i'm interviewing i'm mixing between conceptual and behavioral mm. we're talking about the role we're talking about their experience their past and all the rest of it and then all of a sudden out of the blue i hit them with an anxiety question yeah and it is completely out of the blue and i hit them with this 
You're stranded on a desert island. Mm. You can choose three items only, mm. but you can't choose anything with power or any type of boat, ship, or vessel. What would you choose and why? Mm. Now, yeah, you can imagine you're breezing the interview. You're getting a lot of situational questions, conceptual and behavioral. Yeah. You're talking about the role. You're talking about your career. You're in your comfort zone, and bang, yeah. this, this lands on you. Yeah. And I'm not really too bothered about the answer, but I am looking to how you you process that information and respond. Mm, yeah. Um, and for example, with this with this particular question, there's three types of answers, three buckets. Mm. You either get the practical thinker who goes, "Okay, I'm stranded on the island, I need to survive." So they'll come mm. up with something like, you know, fishing rod, water purifiers, and a knife. Yeah. And you think, mm, practical person, right? Mm. They've processed that. They've gone straight into a mode of survival and. Yeah. Uh, quite a good answer or you'll get the second bucket of people who go no i'm a risk taker and i want to be creative Mm. i want to get off the island yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna go high risk but high reward so Mm. i'm gonna go uh length of rope some materials to build a boat and a flare gun Mm. yeah Uh, and and you can see the way their brains working right still more more creative more risk taking Mm. but but a good answer and then you get the third group of people who sort of in a fluster or under pressure sort of think, well, I'll make a joke of this. Yeah, yeah. Right. So they go for the old, well, I'm stranded and I'm doomed anyway, so I might as well go out in style. Yeah. So I'll have a supermodel, a barbecue and some beers. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and 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 you always have the three types of uh, of response to that, the practical response, the creative response, or the jovial social response. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the point is it's an anxiety question because it comes from nowhere. And we mm. just want to see how they think on their feet. Yeah. Certainly, yeah, yeah. Go on, Spence. Give me an example of an anxiety question you like. One thing I like is uh, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Great question. And and when that again, when they answer that, then it might be within the answer an explanation of why. Mm. But if not, if it's just a a straightforward, closed answer, a statement, then you can. Yeah. Why is that then? Why is that? What what advantages do you think that's going to yeah. give? And you? that's a that's a conversation we've all had down the pub or oh, down mates over yeah. a beer, right? Yeah. But you know, what superpower would I want? I might answer that right here and now. Um, I've always toyed between uh, the ability to fly, yeah, or be invisible, yeah. And I've yeah. always sort of edged on the side of being invisible because mm. you could get away with anything. Oh yeah, and you could go and spy on people. <laughs> And I could go and spy on my kids at school, and I could come into the office and see what you lot say about me. <laughs> but it yeah. says a lot about you, Brian. Yeah. Uh, and you always say, don't you? Your superpower is supposed to be do, to do good You're for the planet. Yeah. No manipulation, <laughs> complete manipulation. Yeah. So, um, yeah, great anxiety question. And again, mm. the answer is irrelevant. Mm. But how do you respond to it? Yeah, yeah. A couple of anxiety questions from me for for the listeners who who who, who you know are thinking how they can deploy this. Uh, how would you explain an atom to a child? Oh, That's one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. How would you explain an atom to a child? And most people I've ever asked that question to mm. um, just go into meltdown. They, they, they stutter, they, they've got no clue, they can't answer it, etc. But I did have one guy who absolutely nailed it, and I'll never forget him. Mm. He instantly started talking out loud, and he said, atom to a child, atom to a child, and he's, and he's mumbling like this. Mm. And he says, um, well, it would have to be something a child could understand. What do children understand? Toys. Mm. So which toys are large things made up a lot of smaller things? Mm. Um, a Rubik's Cube. And this is how he's talking, and I'm mm. sort of in amazement. He says a Rubik's Cube. So he says, what I'd do is I'd get a Rubik's Cube, or I'd explain the Rubik's Cube, and I'd say to the child, everything in life is a large thing made up of lots of little things and the little things are atoms. Mm. So in the Rubik's cube, 
it's a it's a square made up of lots of smaller squares. So mm. the small squares represent the atoms. Yeah. And I was just like, <laughs> when do you when can you start? You know, when do you want the job? It was a fantastic answer. But yeah, again, we're we're looking for how they respond under pressure. Mm. Another one for me, why why do they make manhole covers round? Yeah. When you really think about it, there's lots of reasons from being able to roll it to the side if you take it off for mm. human beings to fit down it. Yeah. Structurally, it's more sound than a square square yeah, hole. Yeah. Um, but it's easier said than done when it's in the moment, right? Yeah, yeah. And the last one for me before I get a few more from you, Spence, is uh, name 20 uses for a blanket other than sleeping or keeping warm. I like that. I like that. I mean, there's a million uses for a blanket. Yeah. But when you're on the spot, yes. it's incredibly it's difficult. Just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that would be a difficult one. Um, again, uh, you, you could probably when you because you specified twenty, somebody auto, somebody will automatically link onto that. Well, I've got to come up with twenty, and everybody could probably come up with five or six. But that twenty, that figure will mean something to somebody, yeah. and they'll start putting themselves under pressure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, that's why we call it an anxiety question. So go on, yeah. give me a couple more of yours. Oh, if uh, if you won a million pound on the lottery, what would you do with the money? Yeah, that's a good pub question as well, isn't it? Yeah. mates down the pub. Yeah. Um, are you asking me? Yeah. Uh, why not? <laughs> why not? Um, million quid. Well, my answer is probably not going to be the, the you know the standard. I probably would do something with it that most other people wouldn't. Yeah. Um, but I guess in the right here and now, I would probably take the majority of that money and I would invest it in the cause in mm. T2. Yeah. In us. Because we're on a mission to change a lot of workplaces and change a lot of lives and educate a lot of leaders and inspire the next generation coming through the yeah, workplace. Yeah. And it means something to me. Now, what three quarters of a million pound would do would be mm. we're doing very well at T2, but mm. that would allow us to me to fast track our process yeah, progress. Yeah. We could really launch some of the products and services and yeah. build some of the products and services we want to do. We could penetrate more markets. We could get our message out there. Mm. And I would hope then that my rewards would come further down the line. So yeah. I would probably do that and leave a little bit left over for holidays and memories with the yeah. family because I don't yeah. need anything materialistic no, in my life. No. I'm happy. Now, my wife, if she heard me say this, would probably <laughs> interject and say, we're not spending any money um, on the business. Thank yeah. you very much. You know, I'll take control of that. But that's probably what I would do. Yeah. What, okay. would, you do? what okay. would you do, Spence? I, I, would, I would probably split it in two. Uh, take five hundred thousand uh, pounds. I'd invest that in seriously. Invest it in uh, in uh, sex and beer and rock and roll. Uh, and the other five hundred pounds, I'd just fritter away. <laughs> Absolutely. And if any listeners listeners are listening, uh, great advice from T Two Consultant spent a lot spent a lot on how to spend a million pounds. But yeah, the point is, is what that question would do in an interview. Bringing it back to a more serious point yeah. is. It would give you an idea of the candidate's values, yeah. uh, interests, hobbies, yeah. Mm. passions. Yeah, certainly. And that sometimes is really important. It's a really mm. good indicator of the type of person you are recruiting. Yeah. Um, so another great anxiety question. Go on, mm. give me one more. Um, we've got a, 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 one I quite like uh, is not that left field. What did you least like about your previous job? Yeah. Because, again, it's putting that person on the spot and they're sat there thinking, well, if I say something negative, what will that say about me? What will that say about the last company? Um, what if something similar is happening in the company that I'm trying yeah. to get a job with? Yeah, what if I say something that I didn't like about the previous company, which is which the manager, hiring manager knows is is 
is present in the current company yeah. and therefore it goes against me. Mm, yeah, uh, how yeah. honest do I be? Do they want me to be honest, yeah. right? So yeah, it is. that's going to create a level of anxiety, but mm. it's it's a situational anxiety question because yeah. the, the manager wants to know what their frustrations are yes. yeah. and what they're likely going to need support with or, you know, coaching on in the new role. Yeah. So yeah, um, some great anxiety questions there. Yeah. On the T2 Hub, for any listeners, if you go to the pathway section under Hiring Great Talent, we've got a, um, a pathway on there with some more uh, uh, questions in each of these categories. So feel free to go and have a look and give yourself some ideas. Yeah. But just to to wrap this up, Spence, yeah. and just sort of summarize what we've talked about, there are three main types of questions yeah. that you can ask in an interview. Conceptual-based questions are where you give the candidate a scenario, situation, or event and ask them how they would deal with it. Yeah, It engages a part of the brain with, for creativity. It, the, there's no rules with this. Mm. They can make it up, but mm. you're just seeing how wh- where they can go with this and how they're thinking already about how they can encounter certain situations they're going to face yeah. Yeah. When, when, they, when they get into the role. Mm. The second type of question is a behavioral-based question, mm. and it's just a play on words. It's a slight shift in language and positioning, mm. but it's where you then go, okay, give me an example of where you've experienced this in a previous organization, and how did you deal with it? Yeah. Um, so the, the the phrasing you use, can you recall a time when? Have you ever felt? Mm. So you're now searching a different part of the brain, i.e. the parietal lobe where memories are stored. Yeah. And it's not as easy for people to blag when you're yeah. switching between these questions, right? Yeah. You can see it in body language and in the way they respond. Mm. So a combination of conceptual and behavioral around the job, the role, mm. their previous, their past, their skills yeah. is a really great way to interview. Don't mm. sit in one column, conceptual or behavioral, mix the two. Yeah. The final and the third and final uh, question you can ask are anxiety questions. Yeah. And we give you plenty of examples. Some are silly, some are challenging, some are relevant. But at the end of the day, you can afford to put one or two well-placed anxiety questions into the interview. Mm. Only one or two. But if you you don't want to make it too easy for them by sitting in conceptual and behavioral. No, no. We want to separate from a great interviewee and a fantastic candidate. Mm. And you know what? The research shows that some of the most famous brands and successful organizations out there deploy anxiety questions. Yeah. Google, Apple, McKinsey, Gartner, right? Voted by Glassdoor, the top organizations in the world to work for. Yeah. Right? Amazon. Mm. These organizations, these managers ask anxiety questions because they want to test people's credentials under pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Because in most roles, we're faced with a little bit of pressure or or, or something. Mm. And I think uh, we're about on time for this hubcast i think that concludes what we're talking about spencer right. would you add anything on this um no no i just i just think that um again there's there's from my own speciality from my own particular uh, experience it's the brain chemicals it's messing with the brain chemicals because there's certain th- situations that people who are creative are going to be comfortable in yeah but when you come to behavioral that's going to mm. challenge them a little mm. bit get that brain chemical going and then you hit them straight away with a conceptual question again. Oh, oh back in the comfort zone. And then another behavioral one, oh, a bit challenging. And then we get an anxiety question. Oh, so it's it's taking them out of the comfort zone. But again, it's not an interrogation. It's, it is an interview. Mm. Um, but as, as you said, do you want a good interviewee or do you want a magnificent candidate? And this is the way that you're going to make sure that you get what you want. Yeah, absolutely. And that's advice <clears throat> coming from Spencer Locker. <laughs> who is a resistance to interrogation instructor, yeah. ex-military 
uh, working with the Special Forces and also on the show SES Who Dares Win. So yeah. nobody knows about the importance of mixing your questioning <laughs> and uh, to to really put somebody under pressure. Now, yeah. you made a good point, and this is to finish. It's not about interrogating them. Mm. It's not about blasting their confidence out the water. They're no. already nervous. Yeah. But it's also not about making them sit in their comfort zone. Yeah. If you want a great candidate, you've got to find the middle ground. Yeah. To find the middle ground, you've got to combine conceptual behavioral with a few well-placed anxiety questions. Yeah, great stuff. Awesome. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, and we'll be back shortly for another Hubcast. Yeah. Uh, hopefully on something around hiring great talent, maybe leadership, maybe mindset. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> we don't really plan it. So we'll see you soon. Thank you, Spencer. Cheers. Thanks, Martin. 